the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Dan Proft Show. I'm reliable, I'm a very good listener, and I'm extremely funny. On the Salem Radio Network. Welcome back to the Dan Proft Show. A question we've been grappling with over the last uh, many weeks is, effectively, can a free society exist with sort of cultural no-go zones based on one's particular views, political views? Uh, a uh, perhaps even a more fundamental question is, can America exist as a free society if uh, we're, we as a nation are living under two different constitutions or frameworks for what we think the founding principles, the framework, uh, as I mentioned, two different frameworks of our nation, of this representative republic, this experiment in small d democracy. Can we exist as a free society? And with that sort of dynamic to help us answer that question, we're pleased to be joined by Charles Kessler, editor of the Claremont Review of Books and author of Crisis of the Two Constitutions, The Rise, Decline and Recovery of American Greatness. Charles, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Well, uh, it's a it's a pleasure to be here, Dan. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. And so um, the two constitutions that um, we're operating under uh, describe those for us. Well, it's. Um we, you know, it's a bad thing to have one country and two constitutions <laughs> because you're in, you're in a kind of cold uh, civil war situation, and I think that's sort of where we are right now. Um, the two constitutions I'm talking about are the original constitution, as amended, the constitution of individual rights um, and consent of the governed and limited government, and all that we associate with that federalism and bicameralism all these great civics ideas that go back to the original constitution and the declaration of independence and that's one of america's constitutions the other one which is much younger but it's now um, over a hundred years old is really the liberals constitution or the progressive constitution and that is what they like to call the living constitution we hear this term whenever a Supreme Court justice is going to be confirmed or is up for confirmation, that um, a liberal like Justice Sotomayor or whomever uh, is very um, skeptical in a way about the the hide-bound, time-bound constitution of yore, but is very gung-ho about the constitution of today and the day after tomorrow. Um, and that constitution, the living constitution, is the the liberals vehicle basically for transforming america and they've they've been pretty successful at it and it is uh the term itself living constitution implies that the old constitution the the real one so to speak is dead or at least that it's on life support it's it's used as sort of a, a um 
a, a talisman, a rhetorical talisman. Uh, I'm doing this under color of the Constitution and give it gravitas when really the left is forever finding new and exciting penumbras and emanations by which to expand or contract what the black letter of the Constitution says. Yes, that's right. I mean, for a long time, uh, for a couple, the first couple of generations of modern liberalism or progressivism, they did talk about the convergence, you know, that the old Constitution and their new Constitution would grow together, and eventually they would be indistinguishable from one another. But they gave up that slow-motion argument uh, in the 1960s, and then uh, again in the 1990s after the end of the Cold War, and they sort of uh, pulled out all the stops, and and they have a very impatient uh, politics now, as you know. <laughs> I mean, they can hardly wait to discover a new right uh, and to apply it uh, and to limit the power of the elected parts of government. That's really the bread and butter of American progressivism now for quite a long time. Well, uh, that's where I want to go when we come back, because uh, so the new rights they're inventing that impose responsibilities on others, the right to an education, the right to housing, the right to health care, and the enshrined rights, the God-given rights, as memorialized in the Bill of Rights, that they're constricting, like, oh, I don't know, freedom of speech, um, and, and how you rediscover, how we get to the Constitution as it was originally conceived uh, in this environment where many on the the right don't really want to make arguments against the notion that uh, education, health care, housing, uh, uh, a certain income level are indeed rights. More with Charles Kessler, editor of the Claremont Review of Books, author of Crisis of the Two Constitutions, The Rise, Decline, and Recovery of American Greatness. We'll be right back. The Dan Proft Show. Welcome back to the show. We're speaking with Charles Kessler. He's the editor of the Claremont Review of Books, which, uh, by the way, is periodical. You should subscribe to if you don't already. Author of Crisis of the Two Constitutions: The Rise, Decline, and Recovery of American Greatness. And Charles, before the break, this the two constitutions: the Living Constitution of the Left and the uh, the original constitution of conservatives, uh, uh, originalists, um, and uh, how you go, you move the country back towards originalism against a backdrop where the left argues for all sorts of economic rights that are not enshrined in the constitution because they can't exist equally among everybody simultaneously. They, 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 they confer an entitlement and impose a responsibility on others. Um, and uh, with so many conservatives sort of unwilling to to take up the argument against making housing, education, health care, uh, basic income a constitutional right. Yes, uh, it's a real dilemma, I think, because we've been f fighting the good fight, especially in the courts. I mean, we have appointed a lot of conservative justices to the court over the last, say, 30 to 50 years. But I think what we've learned is the courts can't do it themselves. They can't sort of reverse the metaphysics of rights 
uh, that the left has taken in this new direction, which you rightly and very smartly indicate is a uh, you know is an endless campaign to alleviate all needs and spiritual problems by creating rights to things, which can then be distributed by governments and it and can be played off one group against another in a, in a way that is very favorable to the growth liberal government because divide and conquer has always been government strategy. And if you can organize a whole country into different claimant groups, you know, of by income, by race, by gender, they're coming up with amazing new ways to do this. The point is always the same, really, which is to play the groups off against each other and to prevent individuals from governing themselves through the constitutional mechanisms through democracy as we have known it for more than 200 years but you can see in the in the recent uh, you know sort of circumstances uh, of the election that increasingly liberals and conservatives have two different ideas even of what it is to have an election conservatives understand that votes are individual and so it's not a it's not a uh, a minor thing to be able to ascertain that the person who represented themselves as the voter really is a voter. That person was there in, you know, in, in the voting booth and uh, marked his ballot, however he wanted to mark his ballot. But from the liberal point of view, it really isn't individuals anymore who are voting. It's groups. There are blocks of votes by socioeconomic class, by uh, race and gender and other things. And it doesn't really matter so much that we are sure this is the individual, this is the black individual whose name appears, let us say, on the ballot form. It's more important that the black vote be effective and, be, and therefore be counted. And uh, some of these niceties of registration and so forth may have to get out of the way, liberals now think, in order to make block voting, group voting, even more effective in our politics. And what we have is a, a disagreement about what an election is. Who is sovereign? Who is the voter here? And a disagreement like that, the courts are not going to be able to uh, adjust, I'm afraid. And, and it's, it's, I mean, it's going to take politics and some very serious politics to try to come, come to grips with an issue of that magnitude. I mean, how, how concerned are you uh, about the identitarian politics you're you're talking about, this poison that uh, and, and and the creation of you know in addition to a never-ending series of new rights, also a never-ending series of new protected classes where your rights uh, are constricted in deference to uh, their reputed interests and in, and in not being subjected to discrimination as they define it. Right. Uh, well, how how well, how can, as you how, said how, earlier, I mean, there are also net subtractions from rights. Yes, it, it, the 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 new the new rights, the liberal rights, the statist rights, come at a cost. There's no such thing as a free lunch or a free right. And as you rightly said, I mean, there are subtractions from free speech, from free assembly, from all sorts of traditional rights, from property rights. Um, so, so how does this not devolve into a Hobbesian state of nature, a might makes right society, a, a warlordocracy? It has a tendency to do that. I mean, the, uh, the, their answer to your question is, that's not going to happen because liberals are going to be in charge. <laughs> and they right. know how to do things. They know how to manage systems, you know? Yes. They have experts for this. They're the uh, ones we've been waiting for. But for everybody else, I mean, there's really no good guarantee uh, looking forward. I mean, I, what, what I see is a lot of political conflict to come. Well, uh, well, no, no way well, around it. 
Well, I mean, if you're advising, uh, you know, you are one, but if you're advising conservative intellectuals, if you're advising conservative office holders, what are the arguments that are key to be taken up, that the intellectual battles that are key to be taken up? So there's some focus of resources for highest best return. Well, I, I think we need a lot more focus than we have had, that's for sure. But I think we, in rediscovering the conflict between the constitutions, that's a kind of liberating moment because you realize what you you are fighting for uh, when you realize what is the opposition to <laughs> to what you're you, you're you're fighting for here, and so the notion of individual rights, um, of uh, therefore of a government that is limited, um, that operates um, uh, indirectly and through federalism and through um, separation of powers and these things. These, which are in a, in a certain sense um, as old as the hills, but in another sense very much alive and waiting to be rediscovered uh, in our politics. But if you look at, I, I mean, I think it's a it's a harrowing to to look at the modern university because that's the one part of American society that the that liberals have basically run for almost a hundred years, and they like they 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 run it in a kind of you know semi totalitarian way. Uh, in which they dole out free speech rights and assembly rights and all kinds of things to poor freshmen and sophomores who don't know any better. Um, and they rule it um, in, a, in an authoritarian way that they are quite happy with. And what, yes. I, what I, I see happening is basically um, modern American progressives have learned how to run <clears throat> the university, and now they want to run the country in something like the same way. Well, we'll end on that uh, note of optimism because they're uh, you know, few and far between these days. Charles Kessler, editor of Claremont Review of Books, author of Crisis of the Two Constitutions, The Rise, Decline, and Recovery of American Greatness. Charles, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Ben. Thanks very much. Take care. Show at danproffshow.com.